and I, I love the whole idea of the marathon. I love how it's made me um, stronger and just seeing that I can do one foot in front of the other and just in life in general. And no matter how hard it is, no matter how many steps you get, you remember why you even began in the first place. Hello and welcome to Miles for Change. I'm your host, Jen DeSalvo, coaching you through the persevering stories that come from the charity partners of the Chicago Marathon. In this episode, we're spending our miles with the Chicago Police Memorial Foundation. It was created nearly two decades ago with one singular goal, and that was to create a magnificent memorial honoring Chicago police officers who tragically lost their lives while in the line of duty. Now, it has since become so much more. So on your mark, get set, let's go. These miles for change are for the Chicago Police Memorial Foundation. to start at the beginning and for that the executive director of the cpmf phil klein well he can help before phil was the leader of the organization he served in the chicago police department for 37 years phil said he started as a patrolman and worked his way up every rank from there now before he retired he spent his last four years in charge of the nation's second largest municipal police district i became the superintendent in 2003 okay and I started going to these meetings quarterly around the country. And every department I went to had a public memorial to police officers killed in line of duty. We had the honored staircase, which was in headquarters, but it was on the first floor of headquarters. And unless you had business at headquarters, you'd never see it. Mm-hmm. So I met with the Gold Star families and asked them if they'd be interested in having that. They all agreed. So we started raising money. And in two years, we raised $3 million. Wow. And we built, which is now the finest memorial in this in the country, and it's located just east of Soldier Field. Now we have the names of 595 Chicago police officers who were killed in line of duty. Wow. So it's, it's really been a, a successful uh, endeavor. You mentioned the wall inside police headquarters. If you can tell me the history behind that wall and the meaning of every single one of those gold badges that hang up there at headquarters... What happens is when a police officer is killed in line of duty, his star is retired. And in a ceremony with his family, it's placed in the first floor lobby of police headquarters at 35th in Michigan. And it stays there forever. I mean, you look back there, there's stars from uh, the early 20s. And uh, as we find more star, more names of people that should be up on the wall that were, were ignored, um, we uh, give that information to the police department and they make sure a star goes up there for them. And now, how does that transfer to the memorial that we see in your soldier field? What does that look like? What that is, is that that wall is, is similar to the Vietnam wall, where it has the names engraved in granite. And there's all 595 names are there. And uh, We have a couple events there a year. We just had the run walk from there. We'll have the motorcycle ride coming up in uh, later in July. And um, you can go on our website at cpdmemorial.org, and you can see the names that are on the wall. You can see a lot of the pictures from the events that have been up there. And uh, the families really uh, appreciate it because it shows that we haven't forgot their loved one and we haven't forgot their family. 
They have the CPD Run to Remember in May, a motorcycle ride in July. Now, the CPD Memorial Fund started in 2004 with plans to build that park and monument. That project it was completed in 2007, and it has become a point of reference in the city of Chicago, being right off the nearly 19-mile-long recreation path that stretches all along Lake Michigan. The thing is, even though this place to honor Chicago's finest was complete, the money, it just kept coming in. So we have a beautiful memorial on the lakefront that was completed in 2007, and money was still coming in and support was there. So that's when we went forward with the mission beyond the memorial, which is the assistance side of the foundation. My name is Dawn Dolan. I'm the events manager with the Chicago Police Memorial Foundation. So then 2007 is when you guys started helping the families. Exactly. That's, we call that the mission beyond the memorial. Got it. We visit the families around Christmas. Um, we give them financial support and just deliver them the message of holiday cheer and love and that we're here for them during a season that can be very difficult for families in their position. We visit injured officers. Uh, we have the candlelight vigil every year, which is a pretty solemn memorial event where family members can read their loved ones' names. Uh, and we're just there just to fill in the gaps that they're their loved one would have provided had they still been alive and to let them know that we remember them. Former Superintendent Klein also told me that when the wall was completed and the organization started focusing the funds elsewhere, they realized there was a blank space that needed to be filled. After we finished paying off the memorial, we decided why don't we raise money for the families. The Hunter Club was around, but they were taking care of college. Okay. Nobody was there at high school or grade school. The 100 Club of Illinois is another great organization that focuses on helping the families of all first responders killed in the line of duty. That includes firefighters and paramedics also, and that's across the entire state. So now the Chicago Police Memorial Foundation, we have 22 kids right now from preschool to grad school that we pick up every dime of educational expenses, their tuition, their after school activities, clothing, whatever they need. We want them to be able to go to school and not worry about paying for anything. We provide a death benefit to the family right away. Um, we financially support their children for education. We pay 100% of tuition from basically birth through grad school. We give also additional funds to help with other educational costs that are outside of tuition and housing. Uh, we help everyday police officers who find themselves in situations due to illness or injury. We help officers who file for disability. Um, we help widows who don't have funds to pay their health insurance. Um, we help officers who die in non-line of duty circumstances. If they just, you know, pass away while they're uh, an active duty officer, we help those families with funds. So uh, to date, we've given out $16.2 million in assistance to Chicago police families. And we paid $3 million in education assistance for a total of 69 kids that we put through school now. And since the foundation continues to provide for Chicago police officers and their families, they of course are one of the charity partners for the Bank of America Chicago Marathon.
in their marathon team, well, it has a good amount of support. Dawn says they've had a team for over a decade, and each year it just continues to grow. They usually raise over $100,000 for us, come from all walks of life, police families, non-police families, um, avid runners, elite runners, beginners. (laughs) What does it mean to you and to the organization to see these people taking on this really ridiculous task of trying to run 26.2 miles and like, you know, spending months waking up early and annoying their spouses to train for it. Um, What does it all mean to you guys? Just volume of effort and incredible effort. Like even just the run, I've never ran it because I'm always in a tent, you know, taking money and registering people. And I see just the effort they put in for a 5k And I watch these guys gear up in the morning for the marathon and there are, you know, 50 different products going on just to protect their body from the abuse that they're about to put on themselves during this run. And then I see them come back caked in salt, you know, and and wearing their their like tinfoil blankets. And to me, it's just a selfless act and, and they know who they're doing it for and they've met those families. And I just think that it's amazing. What are some of the things that you hear from um, the runners that sign up? What are some of the things that they really appreciate about doing it for this cause? So we've actually had a couple family members that have run the marathon. We've had, um, you know, the wife of a fallen officer has run it. We've had um, like nieces and nephews and friends. So some people have that intimate personal connection and they know what we do. They know the financial support, the educational support uh, that we do for these families. What's some of the response that you do hear from the families? I think the families are just overwhelmed that someone, especially not the elite runners, where they're in this because our slogan is bleed blue for 26.2. And that's actually what they do. I mean, they feel it. It's an emotional cause for them. And I think families are overwhelmed that they take this magnitude of an assignment on or a duty on to raise money for their families that I think they're just blown away. The funds coming in from that marathon team, well, it is sending those young kids to school and helping families going through medical issues. And officers currently on the department are lacing up their shoes to hit the ground running to continue to pay it forward. Do your own officers then do they join in and attempt to run the marathon? And how does we, that work out? We have out? A, one officer, <laughs> Officer Daryl Hardy, who's been a repeater. Um, and usually people are a one and done. At least I see a lot of that on the charity teams. They're like, okay, I did it. Bucket list. All done. Mm-hmm. But we have the, the repeat offenders who come back year after year for more torture. And um, we had another officer who probably did it about eight years in a row. Um, So we do have quite a few officers that come out. Well, my name is Daryl Hardy. Um, I am, I'm actually a a police officer in Chicago, um, going on 17 years this August. Come on, you didn't think I wasn't going to go find Officer Hardy, did you? Don dropped his name. Of course we want to meet him. I've always wanted to be a police officer. I know it sounds cliche, but ever since I was eight, I I can pinpoint the exact moment when it triggered in me. I want to hear the story. Tell me. Yeah. um, (laughs) If you have time. (laughs) No, no, I got time. Um, I'm I'm originally from Waukegan, you know, the north suburbs, Mm -hmm. um, you know, an hour away. And 
there was a festival on the lakefront. It was a summertime. And it was my mother, myself, and my brother. I have a younger brother. And we were there. And it was a big sand pile, big hill. And we were playing on the hill. And we came down the hill. My mother was talking to an officer. Mm-hmm. It was somebody that she, she knew for a while. And he was in full uniform. And me and my brother was just so, we were just so like, like, like this guy was a superstar. You know what I'm saying? Like, like he might have been Michael Jordan or something. Yeah. You know, um, and we were just like starstruck. And this guy was very friendly. You know, he high fived us. He talked to us. You know, and I just at that particular point, I, I want to say I was seven or eight. And at that particular point, I said, you know what? That's that's it for me. You know, and um, and I and at that point after that, I'd always look up to officers. Like wow, you know, and I paid more attention to them because prior to that, I you know, of course, I'd seen officers you know, police cars here and there, but I never really paid attention to them like that. Yeah. You know, but after that encounter, I said, you know, this is, this is it for me. Graduated high school, went to college, degree in criminal justice. Nice. Graduated, you know, figured out exactly, you know, what, what department, you know, I, I was in the suburbs. I say, I'm not that far from Chicago. Chicago's a, you know, third largest city, you know, what better city to work at and learn the job in Chicago and here I am 17 years later this October would be my ooh, my 12th marathon wow it'd be number 12 and it'd be number 11 Chicago Bank of America I started when it was the LaSalle Bank Chicago Marathon okay so I think I, I think my first year was that really hot that really hot marathon 2007 yeah, I think it was seven or eight. I think it was 2007. That was my very first one. Wow. And that's when I was like, what am I doing? This is <laughs> this is nuts. Um, but yeah, that was my, my first one. And that first marathon was also his first run to support the Chicago Police Memorial Foundation. That path began 15 years ago. I was doing some training at the police academy and there was a flyer up for the run to remember ah. the, fi- the 5k and I was just standing there looking at it and at the time the person that was over who was running the M- memorial foundation she happened to see me looking at the flyer and she said hey you interested I said yeah you know so I signed up and then she gave me information about you know joining the um the police memorial foundation you know team as a member and running you know for them and and i said it to me it was a perfect fit you know i started running again um i'm a police officer in chicago um so i just i went ahead and went for it i figured it was a perfect fit and i've been running with the foundation ever since daryl ran track and cross country back in high school but it wasn't until he saw that flyer that he went back to the sport as an adult he says nowadays it helps him to unwind it's uh as an adult it's very therapeutic i can just go and just you know just focus on running and you kind of forget about everything else and then you know looking at all the scenery and it's peaceful it's not easy you know as you know um but it, it's become it's come uh, become very uh, therapeutic and it's definitely uh, helped me you know, ease my mind, if you will, and just take away the daily stress of life. Yeah, well, you do have a very stressful job. And when it comes to your runs, do you prefer to 
start your day before your shift and, and uh, kind of refresh? Or is it something that you like to do at the end of your day to kind of decompress? Well, right now I'm working midnights. So, um, it, you know, it just varies. It, it could be after work. It could be before work. It still it doesn't change that, that therapy aspect. We chatted about how no day is the same in Officer Hardy's line of work. Sometimes a task is as routine as helping a citizen figure out when the next CTA bus is coming. Other days, it's a bit more intense. The challenge is good. I think because it's ever-changing, it keeps you up. It keeps you on your toes, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, by nature, I'm, I'm a... I'm a, I'm a personal guy. I, I'm a people person. So I like talking to people. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't, we don't interact as much working midnights with people because obviously people are asleep. Um, but we do have a fair amount of interaction with the public. But, um, you know, the fact that, the fact that um, it's ever changing, like I said, I think it does kind of challenge, it, it challenges you to, to, to be more on your feet. Yeah. Um, if, um, being a police officer, in my experience, fear is something that's needed because fear is going to make sure that, you know, you, 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 you're checking around corners more. You're, you're more on your feet. You're more alert because that level of fear is there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I know this might sound a little weird, but with me personally, you know, you need fear. Fear and being scared are two different things to me as a police officer. Okay. You know, fear keeps you sharp. You know, but if you're scared, you know you're gonna you're gonna tense up. You're gonna clam up. You might not be able to perform because you're so scared. Yeah. But the fear aspect of it, in my opinion, is what's kept me, you know, more sharp and you know more alert and more on my on my toes because you know you have to in, in our line of work. Now, being a police officer, um, you know, you go into the job. It's your duty to serve and protect. But there are so many things, uh, so many dangers to the job. What are some of the things that families have to understand when their loved one is is pretty much going out into the job every day? Well, fortunately, the, the officer is going with uh, uh, on, on the nighttime hours. He's supposed to be in a two man car with another officer. And uh, that makes it a lot safer. I, I used to say it's a hundred times safer than just uh, twice as safe. But I mean, last year there was a number of things that uh, went on. There were 61 officers killed across the country last year by firearms. I'm a police family through and through. I'm married to one, my father was one, my brothers, my cousins, uncles. Um, I love the, the men and women of the police department. I love the lifestyle, I love everything about them, their commitment to their job. And mostly now you see the difficulties that our families face and it's just rewarding to be there for them and to let them know they're not forgotten. And that's just an important side of being a police family because they don't forget. Mm -hmm. And there are 13,000 officers on the job who are just going about their daily lives, but they are every day carrying these families in their hearts with them. What are some of the things that you guys worry about now that you didn't when you were a kid? When you're a kid, you're you're not aware of it. Your dad just goes off to work and you know he's going to be home at five. and Or maybe he works nights that night and you have to be quiet during the day. But you don't have a sense of danger. Um, now that I'm married to a policeman, he recently retired, but 
you see the dangers, mm-hmm. you're more aware of it. So I think that side is hits home and he's lost team members. You know, he knows several officers that were killed in the line of duty and injured in the line of duty. So that really hits home. What about um, running for the CPD Memorial? Like, how do you continue to stay motivated? What is the reason? What is the purpose behind being out there and raising those funds? You know what? It's just the fact that um, it could be me. It's the fact that something can happen to me out there at work. Um, and, you know, I, I'm married. I have a, a seven-year-old. And it's just, you know, it's that could be me. And I would want somebody to look out for my family, you know. And I think that just motivates me. That just, you know, keeps me going. You know, just like if me, you know, raising these funds, um, you know, will just help to provide funds to, to officers and their families. This is not a group that anybody intends to be a part of. Or even wants to be. Yeah. Um, I'm a member myself. I'm a spouse of a fallen officer. So it's a big task to kind of be chairwoman because you're part of it as well. But also you can have that perspective um, that most people wouldn't. I'm Maria Marmalejo, and I represent the Chicago Police Memorial Foundation. I'm actually the chairwoman of the CPD Gold Star Families as well. The CPD Gold Star Families represents all the surviving family members of the fallen officers of the Chicago Police Department. So if you lost a sibling, a a parent, child um, in the line of duty as a Chicago police officer, uh, you become part of the CPD Gold Star family members. And uh, me as chairwoman, I just represent those families and I try to provide support, um, opportunities of getting together, Um, events, and just honestly just a constant check-in with the members. The 595 names on the CPD Memorial Wall near Soldier Field with their gold police badge stars that hang at Public Safety Headquarters, well, it's their surviving families who are the members. And those are the people who Maria is there to be a rock for during their time of need. My husband was um, lead ER tech at, at Christ Hospital for a long time. So he was in the, obviously in the ER department and handled a lot of emergency situations, traumas on that end. Mm -hmm. And he always wanted to be a police officer, but having a young family, because we were together since we were 17 years old, um, it just became difficult and being like, do I really want to put myself at risk, you know, having a young family and at one point, I just said, you know, just go for it. And he did, and he got on. So he got on later in life. He got on about 34 years old. Hmm. It was a family discussion we have. We had two daughters at the time, and I was pregnant. Uh, so we changed up our lives. He became a police officer, and he was very proud, and I was very proud of him, too. It was easy for Eduardo Marmaleo to gain support from everyone in his family because they knew he would always make the safest and best decision no matter what he did. 
Maria confessed, though, that she and Eduardo thought their girls might protest because they would have to change schools. They had to move from the suburb that they had been living in and into the city in order for Eduardo to work for the Chicago Police Department. But the girls didn't. They were cool with dad's dream. But that's how their family works. Now, for example, Maria and Eduardo even took on one of the greatest challenges. I actually ran the, the, the marathon with my husband. You guys ran it together? Yes. In October of 2018, we did. And he thought I was freaking crazy because he was this police officer. And he's like, how are we going to run? <laughs> how am I going to find time to train to run? And then you want me to run 26.2. And earlier when we were 30, I was like, yeah, let's do a half marathon. And I think that scared us from the marathon in general, you know? Yeah. Um, so we did it. And he, it, so crazy. It, you know, we had a wedding that we had to go to the day before a marathon. And we thought we were crazy, but we had to go to this wedding. And Not yours. Somebody else's. <laughs> no, someone else's. Okay. But we still got up. We did the marathon. We finished. He finished an hour before I did. Taking shots in Pilsen. <laughs> yes. Yep. Easing the pain. At like mile 18. I yeah, I see him in the end. We had a few family members that ran with us as well. And we all came in and trickled in at the end. And it was a great accomplishment. And I remember at nighttime when we were all done and showered and ate our pizza. He's like, hey, I really want to sign up for this again. I want to do this again. And I'm like, are you sure? He's like, yeah. I, he's like, I've never felt so accomplished. And so I'm like, okay. I look into it. I put us in the raffle. We didn't make it in 2018. And a couple months, maybe November, he, or when we found out, I think it was early December. And he said, he sends me an email. He's like, we, we, we didn't get into the raffle, but we can run under the Chicago Police Memorial Foundation. And I'm like, okay, I'll look into it. On December 17, 2018, him and his partner were chasing a shooter that was spotted by a shot spot on top of the metro um, tracks and they had eyes on the shooter, eyes on the northbound train, but unfortunately they did not see the southbound come from behind them, which struck them and killed him. My husband, my husband and his partner, Conrad Gary, um, immediately. He had three daughters at the time, 15, 9, and 2. Phil Klein and everyone from the Chicago Police Memorial Foundation comes in. They're like, what can we do for you? And all I could think about was that stupid marathon. Mm -hmm. Like, I need to do this marathon. This is the only way I'm going to get up out of bed and do something is if I make myself accountable for something. And I thought about it for like a couple of days before, you know, I actually said something and I called Phil and I said, I need to get on the I need to run for the Chicago Police Memorial Foundation in honor of my husband. And I convinced a couple family members to do it with me. <laughs> a few for the first time. My brother-in-law, who's included, and my husband's brother was her first time, and then the mother cousin that did it with us. And 
we ran it in 2019. And um, we ran with other officers. It was probably the, it was just a different experience again. Yeah. And um, I felt phenomenal after, but I cried. It was, I felt accomplished, but I felt so sad because he wasn't there at the finish line, you know, and that was what, Mm-hmm. That was probably hard training in general as every run you train up to and you're like, I'm waiting for him to, to cheer me on. I'm waiting for him to see him. I'm waiting to see him running in front of me. Uh, or send me a silly video of like, hey, when you go to this spot, you're going to see my police friend here. Or you're going to see this police friend there. And uh, But the support was phenomenal. I raised a lot of money for the Memorial Foundation with all the support um, I got from it. And, um, and and honestly, just like we always say with the marathon, anybody who runs a marathon, it's like one foot in front of the other. And uh-huh. that really was my metaphor for my life at that time. How long was he on the job? Like, how long was he a police officer at this point? My husband, three years. What did he love about his job? He just loved like being part of like the community and interacting with the community and more of a different kind of end. And, you know, he didn't come from the best area, too. So he kind of was had a different perspective. Maria said he was a very relatable type of person. He just wanted the kids to follow the rules, knowing they'd be safer and stay out of trouble. He'd look out for them. And he had perspective from being in the hospital, from his upbringing. And, um, and honestly, he was just a fun right personality. He always tried to look at the brighter perspective of things. He always had a really positive outlook and he made people feel good and comfortable and safe. What was it like for him being a girl dad? You know what? He loved it. He embraced it. I I worked uh, second shifts. So he would work his hospital shifts. He would come home and he would be a full on parent and everything, you know, and he loved it. He loved seeing them grow and he loved seeing them be uh, powerful young women, you know, and he loved watching them play sports. He encouraged them and he was so excited just to see where they were going and, and proud to the end, you know, going to soccer games, no matter how he could, how less sleep that he would get, he would just show up. And I think that is the best thing any parent can do is just show up. What are some of the traits that your children carry? that your husband had that you see every day in them from him. Yes. So my oldest is 18. She's in college. She is a fighter physically, mm-hmm. you know, in all means and ways. And she's super smart, but she has this cool collective way of her. So that's definitely my husband. Like he just can go in and, and, you know, like I got him started running and then he's totally surpassed me. So it was like, <laughs> And that's exactly how she is. She just goes in. She, she She's really good at sports, but she's also very determined. But she's she doesn't take herself so serious. Mm-hmm. Um, our middle, Madeline, and she's 13 right now. And she's an overthinker beyond. She's, um, she can get a little anxious at times, but she is very mature for her age. So it's a little bit of me and a little bit of my husband for sure. Mm-hmm. And I, I found a few letters from him to her when, you know, um, that he would write and said, you know, just stay a kid. Just stay a kid as long as you can. Um, there's no need to overthink things. <laughs> and so Sophia is our youngest and she's six. And she has his full 
spirited personality. Um, she's very social. She makes friends very easily. And that is exactly him. Um, real quick story with her and him was, you know, he would always mess around and be like, wedgie, like, you know, give the girls wedgies. <laughs> she could probably really re- remember anything that he did maybe, or maybe not. But the other day she just came up behind me and she's like, wedgie. And I'm like, going on? <laughs> so yeah, they all reflect a little bit of his personality and all his different layers. And it's so sweet to see. And it's also like, I'll sit there and just say to myself, like, are you seeing this? Like, are you seeing them do this? And the more and more Maria told me about Eduardo, he struck me as someone who tried to make the lives of others easier. Did he ever come home and tell you about a situation that he thought he made a difference in somebody's life? So at one point, they met a, a mother who was in the hospital. And she brought her child. They were saying that the woman had... um abused her child Hmm. intentionally. The hospital kept the child. They sent the mother away. But Eduardo had had a conversation with the woman, and she seemed off. He thought back to his days at the hospital and felt that her demeanor was more textbook of postpartum depression. And he also found out by talking to her that days before, she had a fall and was never treated. So long story short, he ends up calling the hospital and just kind of giving his giving his perspective and saying, hey, I really don't think this was an intentional, um, you know, mistreatment of a child. I really think there's something else. She might be going through some issues. She just didn't seem there. You fast forward, the hospital ended up calling him and saying that she did. She actually had a brain bleed. What a great, like, set of skills to have. Um, to to actually understand that, not just, you know, walk into all these real world situations, like at the age of 18 or 22, you know, he had ample amounts of real world experience that he was able to apply. Right. Just like hospital, having a wife that was pregnant too, and, and all those different things. But he was always very open on getting a someone else's perspective, knowing that he came from something that he made better choices from, you know, like he could have easily been a product of his environment. He grew up in the back of the yards of Chicago. So it was not the safest area or even the most area with opportunities, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But that's what makes me so proud of him is knowing that he made those choices along with me. And, um, Definitely, I'm so freaking proud of him, and I'm upset that he's not here. Tell me a little bit about the CPD Memorial and how you came to become, well, I mean, you already were family with the organization, but really become part of the CPD Memorial family and the Gold Star families. The Chicago Police Memorial Foundation came in immediately and were like, you know, we're going to be here for support, but also we're going to continue to support your children with education expenses and and assistance. And I was like, I it was kind of like out of nowhere. It was unexpected. I mean, I knew that they existed, but I didn't really realize until you are told that as a mother that, or as a wife and mother of three daughters that I have to do this alone but also someone's going to actually support them in their educational Mm. careers and 
life. It's just so like humbling. And how does it make you feel now to be the lead in this organization and to give back to people who are going through the same type of tragedy that you did four years ago now, almost four years ago? And how are you still standing? And how do you keep going? Sometimes you don't even know how you're walking or you don't even remember how you started from point A to point B. But you just keep going and you keep that positive outlook and you just try the best and give yourself some grace. Because at the end of the day, there's no manual. There's never going to be a book. My biggest thing for everybody in, in realizing going through this process is everybody grieves differently. And every loss is different. Every loss is affected, um, affects different people differently. And so I just want to provide options and opportunity to meet people, to be inspired by people, to hear people's point of views. I just want people to know that we're all in it together, you know, and um, nothing's different, you know, and, and yet nothing's the same. But we can all move together and we can all move forward. You can move forward. You can put one foot in front of the other. It might not be as easier as this person, whether you you feel that or not, but they're finding their way just as much as you are, you know? And so I just think that is my goal and that's my perspective on it. And I'm grateful for everything that the Chicago Police Memorial Foundation has provided for me and my family and will continue for a very long time because my youngest is six. Um, I just want to give that to families. I want them to know that you're not in it alone. And if you have any issues or any concerns or want anything or want, you know, your officer to be remembered in a certain way or in a different light, we'll make it happen, you know, together. Our officers are family people and they're the baseball coach, they're the soccer coach, they're the Cub Scout uh, leader. They do all these things on, on, away from the police department. I just think that in today's climate and the demands on the on the police department and the police family, it's it never fails to amaze me how they rally themselves and support each other. But it's more important or just as important every day for us to get support of someone like the marathon team support from outside so they know that the citizens are rooting for them and pulling for them and raising money to help these families who gave the ultimate sacrifice and we're always there for them and going to help them for the rest of their lives and i always said that if you could ask a cop his last day and say you're not coming home tonight what do you want us to do it would be take care of the family and that's what we try and do with police memorial our motto is never forget and that's what we try and do